Welcome to Real REE Film Reviews. Hello, uh, straightforward film reviews. I give you my view. In today's podcast, I'm going to give you my view of the one I think that you should view. The one maybe to spend your money on and watch uh, from the previous podcast where I've done a non-plot spoiler review of, and it's the first films in 2023, covering Whitney, I Want to Dance with Somebody, Avatar, The Way of Water, Till, Empire of Light, A Man Called Otto, Megan, That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, and Everything Under Control. So, plot spoilers throughout, so if you don't want to know the intricate details of any of the film's stories and plots and characters, stop now and go to my first podcast and listen and uh, their non-plot spoiler reviews or go and watch uh, the films and come back and join in the discussion with myself. Um, I'm going to dissect, discuss and debate the foibles and fun parts of all these films. So let me know what you think via the usual streams and means that I've sort of set up. If you've never given feedback or a comment before, don't worry, just start the conversation. I'd love to hear your feedback uh, about the film, about the podcast, whether you agree, disagree, send me your views either through your podcast host provider or you can go to the Twitter account Real, R-E-E, Film, at Real Film A-C-O. I've had to add the initials there at the end just to distinguish that one. Or Instagram where it is just Real Film Review and you'll find links to my rating scale that I'm using. Um, Let me know what you think about it, if you've any suggestions or replacement uh, phrases, or just an entirely different rating or scaling, let me know. Lots of people do stars, five stars, or percentages. Um, I don't think that tells you very much. They're fine. I'm not going to disagree with them. Uh, I like to do it this way. And you'll also find on the Instagram and Twitter account links to the trailers sometimes another little bits and bobs and stupid things that I've put up there. So getting straight into a discussion, I'll start in order of the ones that I reviewed. Whitney, um, I want to dance with somebody and I, I gave this a rating. Maybe it's all right. So it's up there. You know, it did exactly what you think it's going to do. It's a film about Whitney Houston and you can't not know who she is really. Um, If you're very young, you'll still know who she is because of the songs that are very, very well known. Um, Now, I thought the film did flow really, really well. It it was an enjoyable watch. Um, I went to see it with someone else and it it certainly just took us through that time quite well. Um, Did it flow all the way throughout? Well, probably not, but it did try and cover a lot of her life from just before hitting the big time. So, you know, we join it when she's singing in the church. And I I quite like that scene because it it set up the mother as quite, not a tyrant, but very strict, very disapproving of her. And she's, uh, you get the idea. And then then I remembered as well, like I said in the review review before, she was uh, a very well-known singer in her own right. So she had her own way of doing things. And I thought that was going to be developed in the film that she was a sort of overriding tyrant. But that turns out to be, lo and behold, her father, who disastrously manages her career. Um, and this is obviously a reflection of the real-life story, in you, and you see that in a lot of these pop artists, don't you? I think the other one is Britney, with the overriding 
father as manager who messes things up for her. Um, so it, it covers her life. It covers a lot of it and sometimes in depth. And like I say, it kind of ran through the last bit at the end. But what it did do, what I liked about it, and why I've given it quite a good rating, is it made me like Whitney. Before going to see the film, I was thinking, well, I know the songs. But they're not objectionable. I'm not a fan. I'm not not a fan. Um, but Whitney herself, I I quite liked. Uh, and this show maybe shows something more about me, but she wasn't the clean-cut pop star that I thought she was in the 80s. It, it shows her smoking, which is quite a surprise for someone whose career completely depends on her voice. Um, it shows her, her drug taking, um, just casual at first, uh, her and her, her girlfriend, Robin. Another surprising thing as well I didn't know about her was her relationship with um, a good friend she meets before becoming uh, famous. So you, you, you know she's not a hanger-on. I, I think she was cursed with a lot of hangers-on. Um, and the dead weight of, of some of her family, not all of them, but especially her father. Um, so I'm not endorsing drug taking or smoking, but it, it gives you a sense there was there was nothing being polished up here. Um, did it really get into her life when she starts to get scrutinised? She's a very successful artist and, and she's got a, a string of hits. And then it does cover when she's criticised in the in the States for not being black enough. Um, I, I, I felt it dealt with it, but did it skirmish it a bit? I don't know, let, let, let me know what you think. And it was certainly, it would have hurt her because she saw herself as just a singer first and foremost. And uh, she worked with her manager, Clive Davis, to find songs that she knew that she could really connect with and sing. And I, I like that bit of it as well. They, they could have done maybe a little bit more of that and shown us a little bit more of what happens when that process goes on and how you change a song from its uh, original recording or its demonstration tape recording to what she um, interpreted the songs to be. So it, it showed her quite, uh, um, it showed some details of her life, quite, quite gritty and upfront. And then, and then maybe it did skirmish over some things and, and it kind of rattled along at the end at quite a speed to get things in. Um, whereas until um, it did cover the details of Mamie, who is, who is the main character, Emmett Till's mother. You know, she's called Mamie in the film. And I I quite liked the bit. And, and I thought maybe maybe this could be more focused on. I mean, I gave it a good review. You know, it's it's nearly a yay. But there were some there were some things that just didn't didn't quite uh, run with me. I, I don't know why. So let, let me know what you think. You know, if I'm being a little bit harsh. If you don't agree, I'd love to hear from you. Um, she's confronted with the personal details. She's not married. Her husband and Emmett Till's father has obviously died um, during the war and the last bit of the war as well in 1945. But she has a partner and it, it shows a really good relationship. I mean, before Emmett leaves to go and see his cousins in the South, he says, make sure you don't get married before I get back. Um but this is potentially because she's unmarried and she has a different surname and Emmett has a different surname to her, etc. This is highlighted to her by someone who's going to be taking on her case and it's going to be potentially a problem. And you can imagine so in those times, but especially with her traveling down to the conservative deep south 
and she's warned that this will be focused upon and uh, she'll be um, portrayed as something she's not um, and and this will detract from her case and so it it showed how she overcame this and the force of her personality and you, and you're fully with her because of you can't deny what is a very very powerful performance um of of Mamie by Daniel Deadweiler um the Whit Whitney showed the relationship with Robin and how intense it was and then when she marries Bobby did we see need to see more of this i i don't know i don't think so um there was enough already and her drug addiction is is looked at in some detail but not but not fully um so did it go in depth enough in depth enough on her or was it more of a, a, a homage to her? Well, you can't blame them for doing that because there, there were many, many highlights. Um, so Till, you know, it, it definitely, it's all right. You know, that's quite high on my uh, rating. Could have been better. You know, if so, how? Because I, I don't know how. It's just the lingering shots um, on her and on some other people, but definitely Mamie. And it's not that she couldn't hold them and it's not that you weren't with her. Um, I th I think this is my view. Maybe this should have delved even more into her personal struggle. Like I, I said before, that the fact that she was a single parent and she was widowed and not, not remarried. Um, I mean, we see her separated parents and their role um, and her telling her partner that he can't come down to the south with her because it's not going to play out well. Um, we see her close up with her friends. But it's very much focusing on her, but she's playing cards when she's worried about Emmett. She's not heard from him. And uh, this is before his murder. Uh, and then after the murder, um, we see her very close up. Her disbelief that um, her uncle, Preacher, has a gun in, in his little cabin. I, you, you could call it a house. It was a house. But uh, the comparisons between how they lived in the South and uh, Chicago are quite stark in a way. You see uh, in Emmett's uh, bedroom, I really like the, the wallpaper. Um, you know, they, they, she was quite prosperous, you know, well, not well to do, but she was doing well for herself. She worked uh, for the Air Force. Um, but instead, uh, so I like those details and I like the feel of it, but instead it focused right up close on her. And like I say, she could do it on, on speeches that she delivered. They were almost like soliloquies, you know, where she's just and she wasn't preaching. But here's here's the thing. I, I I saw that Whoopi Goldberg was in the film. Now I saw that she was on the, the production, and uh, I just go into films, and I I don't really know who's going to be in them, apart from the obvious names on the billboard, on the trailer. Um, but I I'm not interested in that. I'm just interested in the story. You know, that, that's my view of it. That's that's my take. And so. Throughout the film, well, not throughout the film, but uh, there was her mother character who obviously stayed over with her. I, I, I thought maybe did she live with her? I wasn't quite sure about that. But the sort of disapproving, sour face she had on. Uh, and at the end, uh, when I've looked through and, and tried to work out who did Whippy Goldberg play then, um, I realised it was her. And I don't, I don't know. There was just something preachy about that. Preachy about. I mean, how can you not agree that this is a hideous murder? How can you not agree that the whole idea of segregation is a bad thing? It's like 
when that person you meet, I don't know, at a club, at work, one of your friends, one of your parents' friends, and they tell you about something. And it's something that is, it's almost impossible to disagree with, not in a bad way, just racism is bad, homophobia is bad, poverty is bad, you know, these things are bad. And you feel like you're being lectured and you're being looked at in that way where you think, what can I possibly add? So that was the look on um, Mamie's mother's face, which I found out, like I say, Whoopi Goldberg does look a lot different to how I'm used to seeing her now with her glasses and uh, her hair. Her hair is tied up um, in the style of the 1950s. Uh, in the film. Incidentally, I, I have actually met Whoopi Goldberg in real life. It was decades ago in the early 1990s. I happened to be working in Connecticut in the, the northeast uh, of the United States. I was working on a summer camp with uh, African-American kids from New York City. It was a, it was a church camp um, and the church was based in Manhattan, hence why they were kids from New York City. And for one time, and we never used to do this, really. We took a walk to the local, uh, I would say villages. It wasn't, there were just a few houses. But there was a, 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 what we would call a grocery store there. And I took a bunch of the kids uh, there. And then uh, this lady turned up. And she was a black lady. And there not many black people out in those parts. So the kids uh, noticed her straight away. Them being um, African-Americans. And I remember one of them saying, man, that's Whippy Goldberg. And uh, I think quite a few famous film directors and actors live around that way. And indeed, it was her. Now, I'm I'm definitely not a lovey-loving type at all. And uh, uh, neither in a good way or a bad way. I just think, uh, leave them alone. You know, famous people must just get bugged all the time. Um, but I did, uh, I did ask, w- would you mind... Uh, standing with these kids here and and she didn't at all she was very very gracious i seem to remember i have a photograph somewhere i'm not in it all the kids are in it i took it of the kids uh with whoopi goldberg so i don't want to be down on whoopi goldberg i just oh the sour face they're, they're looking at you and oh i don't know i uh maybe i'm harsh um okay and here's here's the other thing that i i think is a really difficult talking point um, there's two, actually, I think, and it's in the trailer. Mamie says that um, until I got affected, I thought that what happened to folks down south didn't affect me. Now, I covered this very, very briefly on my first review. Here's, here's the question. It's not about the film at all, and it's uh, and this isn't me being judgmental. But she was going out and presumably was a big spark in the civil rights movement. I think Rosa Parks uh, later that year was in some way inspired by her courage to show Emmett's um, open cask uh, coffin at the funeral, which is another point I'll be talking about after this one. But her being involved because it affected her personally, then and then and then she's talking about the civil rights movement. Is is that is that gonna help build a movement? And this is a totally separate point from discussing in the film. Does personal experience overcome a general universal issue would it be more helpful to to an issue like the civil rights movement to talk about universal universal equality which most certainly it did um you have to remember that martin luther king was uh, um in his in his mind was first and foremost a baptist minister um a servant of god and so that's why he thought everybody was equal but that's um 
anyway, t tell me what you think about that, because what I'll do is a roundup um, at the end of some of the issues that maybe uh, you can give me some feedback on and you'd like me to discuss that um, a, a bit more of what I'm going to call an X-ray view. Um, really look at uh, some issues that are brought up by films. Uh, should they be covered by films? Uh, maybe just some philosophical points as well. So the other thing was the, and this must have been really discussed, um, like I say, a big production team, the open casket. Now that's the decision Mamie took and that really was a big turning point, I think, in the whole real story of this. And we know that Emmett has been brutalised and then discarded in a river and his body is bloated and we get the idea of this. Now, they hinted at this and it didn't sensationalise it and didn't show it in, in full sort of full view either, but it did show you enough. And I, and I was starting to think, are we going to see? Is this going to be horrible? Is it going to be hidden from view? Um, you know, is is that something um, as a film effect? Uh, it sounds it's a difficult one to do with this because it was in real life and people could go and see. And you, you can, I've not gone online to see the the, the pictures of of Emmett's face. I, I don't know why yet. Maybe I'm just sort of put off by the film because you know how much more heinous and and bad uh, uh, can it get. Um, but the non-reveal, uh, the, the the hiding of something, is that more effective sometimes? And I think they did it well in this case. I think they showed just enough. And so, look, Till's really good. Uh, it focused on Mamie, Daniel Deadweiler. Um, here's a part that I thought worked really well. The questioning in court. And it was a bit, bit odd, and I was wondering, what's different about this? But it showed a close-up face of her with the questions being fired at her. And there was no cross-cut to the lawyer asking the questions particularly and it was very much on her and how she was holding herself together and and she did well on that so um you know it like i say it focused on her character uh, uh, uh well she's not a character but it focused on the personality of Mamie and boy did she put it off but going on to avatar uh, which i gave her mm, it's not meh um you may well disagree with me you may well just love sitting there and seeing this story unfold in augmented uh, reality or whatever it is and it, and it's absolutely stunning but is that enough um there were just too many things in avatar i would i recommend it well if you're a fan if you saw the first one then maybe you have to go and see it because it's it's definitely not a meh um but why all the different language stuff at the beginning um, i mean it was nice to have an overview it felt like you're getting into it but all the different voices and accents and oh I don't know, it just, am I unfair? It just got on my nerve. Um, and and would, would the Earth peoples, which is us folks, it's me and you, would we really be that inept? Uh, maybe we would. And, and, and I'm not thinking, oh, it's about me, I'm offended. Not at all. But look, here's a question. Why change yourself to blue and to be one of the blue beings and to be, I don't know, 10 foot tall with an amazing strength and all this ability to, to, to do those things. Uh, and so you know, these, these guys are reincarnated and, and I'm getting the idea of this. It took me a while to sort it out uh, in my head when this blue being is watching a video of, of a human, um, quite stereotyped, but pretty good, you know, officer saying, now what the hell should I be saying to him? And then you, you, you realise, okay, his spirit or his soul or whatever, his avatar has been reincarnated into one of the blue beings. Okay. 
So why would you do all that to be able to get in there and find out more because they're having problems uh, establishing a bit of a colony on the planet that they've gone to where all the blue beings live uh, and, and you change somebody to look this way to be able to get in there and find out more and then put jackboots on your uniforms and go guns blazing and the earth people's army chief oh really okay it wasn't hackneyed you know, they did the the old grizzled um, well, he wasn't a general. I don't know what was he a major talking to the the reincarnation, but oh, I, I, she was she was more like an unapproachable strict sports coach than than a planet invading leader of a crusading military might. Um, just little things like that got on my nerves, but it, it was good enough. You know, why three hours? Three hours? I I could do it. Whereas Empire of Light, just under two hours. Well, that covered a lot. Um, you know, well, look, my rating again for that was, you know, it's more than all right. Is it a yay? Well, it could be for some people, depending on what you want to go and see. You know, it is. Uh, here's another talking point. Is is your mood important for when you want to go and see a film? I don't mean your, your mood that minute as you go in to see the, 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 the film or that evening. But I just mean the, the mood you want to go in with. Do you, do, you, do you want to go in and see a comedy? Do you want to go and see a drama? Um, and and does that make a difference? Obviously, you, you have a look and you see. But with Empire of Light, well, it covered a lot, and Olivia Coleman was really good. Now, I'm not a devoted fan of Olivia Coleman. She's she's been in a lot recently, so she's on everything. But I'm not not a fan. Uh, like I said before, I'm, I'm not into celebrities or levies. I just I just want to go and view the film and and see if I can enjoy it. Uh, in many different ways it doesn't have to make me laugh it can make me cry it can make me a little bit scared it can make me really really question myself as well and um, I think uh, one of the best films uh, the best films make you really uh, not just think about things and there's a lot of films that can make you think about things that can disturb you in some way and that's to me that's what I like uh, that's what I think makes a good film um, and in Empire of Light, there are hints of a background story, you know, are things as they seem. Um, there's the allusion to the metaphor of light. So, yeah, here's a, yeah, there, there's the quote on the wall, I think it's Shakespeare, find where light in darkness lies. And uh, the whole, the Toby Young character, who's the projectionist, um, who puts the films on, is a little bit obnoxious in, in, in that way. We all know somebody at work who's a bit obnoxious, but he's good at what he does. Um, and he doesn't mean to be obnoxious. He just knows it um, and carries on with it, obsessed with his work. But light shining in to, to is there light in, in darkness? Now, do these use of metaphors and, and, and other use of allegories in, in films? You know, is the Earth peoples invading this beautiful planet? Is that an allegory of, of the environmental issues? Uh, do they work? Should they bother? Um, when do they become clunky? When... So they become obvious. Um, are, are the more subtle symbols far more enjoyable? Um, uh, maybe, uh, do you like to watch a film more than once as well? Okay, so the, the use of well-known actors like Olivia Coleman, I, it, it wasn't just used for effect here. She, she carried it off really well. It's a lovely bit. I say lovely, it's not lovely for the character. Um, after Stephen has, has joined the cinema and he's, he's young and he's handsome, and uh, like I say, in this film, what I really liked is the other characters you, you, you got straight away. There's a, there's a lovely staff room scene 
where the, the manager comes in and disrupts it all in that typical um, annoying manager way. But they're having a laugh and the, the young guy who becomes the manager in the end actually is having a great laugh. And there's a young girl who's uh, a 1980s sort of goth style as well. And so Stephen joins this lot and he obviously gets on with some of the younger staff and, and the girl really, really likes him. You can tell she's alternative. She loves the scar as well, um, as in the, as in the scar music. And there's this great bit where Olivia Coleman, uh, she comes in the next day and she realises that Stephen is going to be getting on really, really well with the other uh, younger girl um, or woman. And she rushes off to the toilet and then you, and then you notice she's, she's smudging off her lipstick that she's put on. And, and it wasn't overplayed and it was subtle and you, you worked out what was going on. Um, and, it, and, it, and it worked really well. But... Sometimes it's the use of well-known actors. Does this become lazy? Well, in Emperor Light, I didn't think so. Toby, uh, Toby Jones is certainly uh, well-known for uh, lots of work in films and TV series, and Colin Firth, and they were they they played their parts really really well. And it takes me on to Otto, where Tom Hanks. Um, you know, a lot of people will just go and see a film because it's Tom Hanks, and I think he said in the past, "Yeah, I just play my film character." Um, and he plays this likable, annoying character. Now, how is that done? Is it because we know him? Why? I don't think so. My view is it's careful script and counterposing against other characters. It's not just about him, really. It's about his reaction to other people. Uh, I, I really like this bit very early on where he goes into the hardware store and he's buying various bits and bobs and he wants to buy a bit of rope, uh, but he only wants five foot. Um, uh, not six foot, but it's it's done in fit. They're still doing Imperial. And he's got five foot, but he's charged six foot and he asks for the manager and why can't he just pay? And it's just pennies and it's not about the money because the other customer, like most people would say, hey, buddy, I'll pay for that. No, 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 get me the manager. The manager's not available. Uh, the assistant manager. And then this, this lovely, very young 20-year-old, maybe she's 18, maybe she's 25, I don't know. Um, girl comes running over, a great big smile on her face, and um, she's chirpy and says, "What's up?" And they use, they have to use these phrases because I can't remember what the name of the store is. But it's just one of those places, and you, you're on Otto's side in a way, but you're not against that character either. So, how does he make it work? Well, it's not just him, I think. What, what, what do you think? It's, it's when they're counterposed against these other people. It's when you see their reactions. And it's not that you're on his side against that character. It's just, oh, yeah, yeah, you're too young to be a manager. And that's so unfair to think that, isn't it? Um, I've been in that place, actually, uh, very, very, as I was a young graduate manager. I was called uh, something I'm not going to uh, say on on my podcast here to my face uh, when I went to take over a production line. So anyway, it, it's like I say, a lot, a lot of these things, uh, they, they chime with real life. And if done well, if cut well, if scripted well, they can really, really work. And you want to know what's up with Otto. That's what I liked about it. Um, you know, he does, he reorders the recycling. He goes out and it's, you, you're starting to get the idea. This is the guy who makes sure everything is in order. Um, he's stopping entry to their private road. And you know, it's a little bit petty, but actually, you know, why not? Uh, and then you can suppose this um, acting by a very well-known actor, instantly recognisable face and, and voice with Marisol. Um, 
his new neighbour, who uh, I don't know her as an actress or actor. Uh, you tell me, is it? Uh, I'm just going to use actor from now on for for all sexes and genders. Um, but we, I instantly recognised her, like I said on the review, as, as as somebody that I know very well. And and it's not just that; it's her agreeing with with Otto when her they've just arrived on the street and her husband is trying to reverse with a trailer on the back and it's going wrong. And she's agreeing with Otto, who's obviously absolutely riled by this. Um, I say obviously, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the film, go and see it. it, it I, you know, I would recommend it definitely, in my view. Um, but I, I, I love Marisol. She puts her foot in the door, not not to stop him, not to tell him he's being rude, but to insist on giving him food for helping him out. Uh, and then their relationship grows and he, and he insists. Like, maybe it's one of the moments you start realising this is his humanity coming out. Um, he insists on helping her learn to drive because he, he can't stand seeing an idiot um, helping an idiot to drive or something like that. Uh, and you realise she, she's not offended by him. Um, and I really like the bit. And, and, and you know, you know, there's, there was quite a lot of latent energy in this bit when he's teaching her to drive and, and it's difficult and he's going to teach her in, in a shift stick, what we would call a manual in the UK, and because that's the proper way to drive. Um, and she's, I think she, she doesn't go through the lights so a guy behind has to wait and he starts beeping her and beeping her and you can see that the tension builds up and, and he does get out and he goes and he confronts and, and it would have been easy for that to have well exploded into an over the top uh, encounter or scene but it doesn't, you know, the guy not backs off but it's just completely dumbfounded I don't know, stuck out in my mind um uh, and there's there's a lot of scenes to talk about there where the, where all the phones come out for the the platform scene. Now he's he's what what you won't um, put in a non-plot spoiler is he's trying to take his own life. That's the whole purpose of the rope, um, and it's it's done with just that light touch of humour as well. Um, maybe not the rope bit, uh, but it's. Um, the platform scene is, you know what he's going to be doing at this point. And he's, he's, it's reminiscent of, and I, I don't refer to, to many other films, but I will to uh, what I th consider are some absolute classics. It's, it's reminiscent of, of, of Clarence the Angel throwing himself in the river to save George Bailey um, in It's a Wonderful Life. And because uh, George is about to throw himself in and he knew, uh, well, you would save me. Uh, so that, that saves you. And, uh, so there's lots of bits there, and then all, and then then when he's saved, or when the guy's fallen on the tracks, all the phones come out, um, recording, and yeah, I'm sure everybody in the cinema is absolutely appalled. But do people do that? I don't know. You you tell me, tell me your view of that one. Um, but that certainly makes you on even more on Otto's side. Um, everything comes together well in the film, you know, without being cliche, but it's a nice tying. You know, there's a social media person who chases him up. There's the ex-student who delivers papers or advertising coupons on the street um, that he gets to know. And he bequeaths, him, he bequeaths his car uh, to them. Uh, his his neighbour, who was an ex-friend, because I think they fell out about uh, the car being American and he got a Japanese car. It all comes together. So it, it's good fun. Um, like I say, I think on that one, if you if you're on a date, um, if you whatever the date is, an early date or a developed date, as in your your your, your life partner, yeah, you'll have fun. Um, you could, if you went to see Megan, 
which I put as more than meh. Um, it could be a maybe, but you know, there's there's enough fun to go and see it. Um, I, I maybe it's going to be overhyped though, because there are a few good scenes in there, but not enough. Um, there's the instant crash at the beginning, and I don't know if you're supposed to um, realize that the kid. Katie doesn't like her parents or whatever but I don't know it just didn't do enough and so the tragedy of the real loss uh, like I say is never covered um, but there seems to be no reaction to that it's just like here we are here's an orphan kid she's going to need something to replace because the auntie's terrible and the auntie's terrible because she's obsessed about making a doll I, mean, uh, I don't know this isn't an action comedy horror but then it tries to be at times um there's, there are a few great bits, you know, Megan's swivel stare, catatonic at the neighbour after the neighbour's being really, really annoying. Played, played really well, and the annoying dog as well. There's the the brat in uh, the forest outdoor school thing, who uh, the, the mother is, oh, 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 it's so great, and he's just doing so well. And then she calls him because um, uh, uh uh, uh, Gemma asks her, who's your boy and then he turns around it's a great line which I won't repeat but he greets his mum with an F off and uses her first name um, and it's just done really well and that, that whole bit is just you know make her speak and then and then Megan just sorts him out it's hilarious but but there are just too many I don't quite believe that bits um, believability you know how believable does a film have to be is that, is that a talking point um was you know, I'll come on to um, everything under control, and that time I got reincarnated as as a slime. I mean, both totally different films. Um, they're not believable, but they work. Uh, are there too many not workable bits in Megan? Um, does a film have to be believable or workable or both? Um, it's Megan is workable. I'm not going to be too harsh on it. There are other films above it, in my opinion. Uh, for example, The Detective. I mean, he's a big character. Um, he's only on the screen for like a minute chewing gum. And he tells her that the ear is missing from the kid. That wouldn't happen. You shouldn't be telling the murder details. They know something. Well, I say murder, homicide details. But you wouldn't go around telling them that bit. Oh, and there just happens to be... So when Megan starts going absolute ape at the end, there just happens to be in in what I think is the basement of the building. I'm not quite sure where they are, but it's, it's certainly like a warren down there. There happens to be just a paper guillotine with one of those open-bladed um, uh, blades on a corridor in the hotel. And then she smashes that and gets that. And, and the therapist who turns up and doesn't introduce herself and then immediately starts observing and scrutinising him. And the, and the manager, oh God. And he's obviously told to play him like, like that. And, and that's where it could have been really really funny um because he has he has the line it's a great line where he's building the promotion for for megan you know megan will be great or something like that even for you know for all those kids even the ones that don't have dead parents you know that that was funny but was it in sync with the rest of the film so i got not too confused it's good enough it's good enough whereas that time i got reincarnated as a slime that swirled around but in a weird synchronizing way with itself in terms of its uh, what the character called info dump. I really like that. It's the first time I've come across it really explicit in the film. There are reminiscent scenes and catch up scenes. So 
you you even just for an animation you, you you feel like that is layers and then it's just a little bit dumb sometimes um and then there's the whole overlords and gods and spirit things not being fully explained and and if that's going to bug you don't go and see it but for me it flowed over me a, li a little bit like a slime um I, and after a while yeah it's okay it's more than okay i know i, I think i put it's nearly and it's all right it's quite up there i'm definitely going to see one again um so coming lastly to everything under control now i saw it was a, an action comedy and it was going to be in cantonese i didn't know it was set in hong kong doesn't make any difference um i just it stayed on theme i mean i'm laughing thinking about it now so the the chantering of the of the mantras uh the music that was used both incidental but like the stupid songs that they put together especially the village song that was just really quite weird um uh, i have a look at the trailer and I, I think you see the use of music quite well there you know it's quite modern rock and um the sort of i don't know i'm going to call it sort of dancing about um it didn't take itself seriously yet yeah, yeah, there were bits. The, the idealistic rookie at the end um, of the film who, who, who at the beginning will chant the mantra, and I can't remember it now, so good, so security, or, you know, we, we will do our best kind of thing, which <laughs> the act the actors just did so well because, you know, they don't mean it, but they've got to do it. And, um, and a, another thing about the film that I, I did enjoy was just the sound of it. It was subtitled. Like I say, the music I, I thought was great. I mean, this is on, res on on reflection, thinking about the, the music in my view. Uh, and I looked at the trailer again because I, I wanted to see, um, did, did they do the chant, the mantra, because I couldn't remember what it was. And I just remembered how funny it was, how, how they delivered it. Um, it was all done in Cantonese. And I, I, just, I just liked that. It just sounded really good, the contrast. Um, and so... So for its overall fun, um, I'm not going to do uh, in rank order, but if you want to go and have a bit of fun and you don't mind some daftness and stupidness, like I say, why did I, why did I when watching uh, Reincarnated as a Slime, but especially Everything Under Control, just think of those daft scenes and the young ones where it just flips to something in microscopic action or just something that is, that is in some scarce way linked to the film. Um, so, so for example in Everything Under Control the, the shooting of everybody on the boat scene it's just hilarious um, if you want a bit of fun that's, that's my recommendation in my view Everything Under Control you couldn't go wrong obviously going and seeing Till um, and if you want to go and see something and let it flow over you that make you think in some way Empire of Light and if you want a bit of light-hearted fun, but with a tinge with a little bit of sadness, it's definitely sad at the end. Uh, a man called Otto would be uh, ideal for that. And, and, and so, you, like I say, would I recommend Megan? I don't know. 